When I look at interactions within the health industry, I tend to simplify the patient experience as a series of escalating steps. To me, the first step should be contacting a primary doctor whenever anybody is sick. These types of generalists with quotes, which is a compliment too, are trained and experienced in treating a bevy of ailments. If your primary care doctor is unable to treat or cure your ailment, specialists are then called, then subspecialists, and so on. Too often we hear that physicians beyond primary care aren't a good fit for direct care or able to provide transparent prices because they're too dependent on hospital systems. The insinuation that independent specialists can't survive without a massive network. As with many things, looks can be deceiving. There's an interesting phenomenon occurring in free market healthcare. This phenomenon still embraces affordable, transparent prices and great care at the primary care level, but it has leapfrogged many of the, what I call, middle care specialists and found a home with surgeons. These surgeons are capable of giving a firm, unchanging quote, many times online in less than two clicks. And I'm going to emphasize that again. They can give you a quote on your procedure that won't change. There's almost always a massive cost saving too. And that brings us to today's episode. So joining us on this episode of Healthcare Americana is the mastermind behind one of these fantastic surgery centers. From the Freedom HealthWorks Network, this is Healthcare Americana. Today's podcast is brought to you by Freedom HealthWorks, a company on a mission to turn healthcare delivery on its head. It works to support all physicians who are interested in direct care, cutting out insurance companies from their practices, and to spread the word of this model to everyone, including employers. For more information on direct care, visit freedomhealthworks.com and by the great people at the Free Market Medical Association. They're connecting true buyers and sellers of healthcare, educating and motivating them to work together based upon mutually beneficial relationship, which is also built on three pillars, price, value, and equality. For more information, visit fmma.org. I'm your Healthcare Americana host, Christopher Habig, and I'm now joined by Sean Kelly, founder and president of Texas Medical Management, formerly known as the Texas Free Market Surgery Center. Sean, thanks for joining us on Healthcare Americana. Christopher, thank you for having me. Our pleasure, our pleasure. Now, I want to kick this off. First of all, what exactly is it that sets your surgery center apart from any other type of surgery center that's out there that we might know in a traditional healthcare sense? Well, so I think when you say insurance-free, what you're really trying to say is that there's a traditional way of structuring healthcare facilities that toe the line when it comes to insurance and insurance contracts, et cetera. It's where they drive their business, but it also forces them into behaviors that cause a dramatic increase in complexity and cost and the opacity and pricing that we all come to love. An insurance-free means, by and large, you really don't have to, you don't have to toe the line on some of those rules and regulations like you know, uh, non-disclosure of any type of allowable, non-disclosure of any type of contract you have or anything in nature. In fact, you can, you can actually be honest with your clients rather than dishonest by saying, don't really know that contract is secret. So you'll find out when you get the EOB, whatever that is. Uh, so just to also clarify, unlike Keith Smith, Keith Smith at Surgery Center of Oklahoma, Dr. Keith Smith owns the Surgery Center. We were very fortunate to, when we first started this, my brother and I, who's a surgeon, uh, we took a trip up to Mecca, Oklahoma City. And uh, had the fortune of uh, Dr. Smith spending a couple hours with us. And in that uh, first interaction, he was thankfully forceful in dissuading us from actually breaking ground and building a surgery center. So what we did instead was uh, 
what he told us was that the number of customers in this direct care purchase, either self-pay or uh, employers who purchase directly from uh, companies like ours or his, uh, it was very, very small at the right. moment. Now, everybody's hoping that it'll grow, but we can get into the, some of the details of why that's taken a lot longer than anyone anticipated later. But suffice to say, what he's told us was, don't build anything just yet. Wait for the day when the business is there. Go ahead and contract with some facilities that are in your community, especially those that are independent from the big systems. And so they'll deal with you honestly. And so that's what we've done. We have two surgical hospitals and two surgery centers that we work with. I love that you use the word honest. So <laughs> I got to ask you about that. You know, when you say, look, we're able to give our people, give our patients, give our clients an honest answer rather than a dishonest answer. What does that really mean? So as you said in your intro, we post a couple hundred bundles on our website. We have a couple hundred more already built. And then we have software that we build five to 10 new bundles every week. What it means is that we put together an episode of care that we know all the cost because the surgeon is in charge of every bundle. That's his treatment plan. It's his treatment protocol. And then based on the cost, then we go ahead and create a price. That means we build in some margin for ourselves. So that price we share with everyone who asks. In fact, it's on our website. Uh, it's not on our website. There's a back part of our website that's got four or 500 extra ones. And then if people give us a call, we can pretty much build a transparently priced bundle for just about anything in probably 15 to 20 minutes. Wow. And so it's given us the ability to speak directly to patients when they call and they're scared. People we talk to locally, this was just a, a story from recent, uh, from Tyler, Texas, called and said, my mom needs a hernia really bad. She's in a lot of pain. Uh, the local doctors gave her a prize of about $15,000. And then I checked with her real quick that she had surgeon anesthesia facility all covered and she didn't have anesthesia. So it was going to be more than 15000 and then I was able to tell her that you know most of our hernia prices are between, I'd say between four and six thousand dollars, and as you mentioned also in your intro, it doesn't change. And so we would get medical records from a patient like this. Doctor reviews it, and then we put our finger down and say, okay, that's the cost. Wow. It's going to be an inguinal. They're going to be taken care of at a surgery center, and there'll be X number of dollars. And it's a totally new way of doing business. I worked in the pediatric healthcare system complex surgical programs, you never could tell them anything because nobody really knew. The anesthesia wouldn't really disclose their stuff, surgery center or hospital likewise, and then the surgeon or other doctors in the care protocol really didn't know what their contracts charged or paid under the terms of your card, right? Your card might be a blue cross. Yeah, everything, it, it depends, right? It depends what's in your wallet or it depends what's not in your wallet. Funny you say that because what we say to our, our corporate customers is uh, when you really wake up as an employer, as the fiduciary of a health plan, is that you're spending the money. So it's coming out of your pocket and the, really the employee's pocket. But the important thing for you to note is you've essentially given your employee this gold card <laughs> and they can go just about anywhere they want. Yep. And they can spend a wide variety of prices on the same service. 
And they're not very good, as most of us aren't, at determining what is quality in healthcare. And so part of what we do, along with Dr. Smith, is we curate the quality on the front end. So let me put it this way. This business can never be about cheap surgery. That will never work. It should never be mentioned in the same breath as what we do because it's not cheap. In fact, we actually pay the one person who's in a surgery who can actually affect the outcome two to five times what the insurance companies pay, and that's the surgeon. Right. And many times, and in, in, in just to clarify that, so in many times in an insurance-based agreement, the surgeon, the person actually performing the work with you know, many times a life in their hands, doesn't see, you know, it's hardly a fraction of what that entire thing costs. Am I getting that right? Yes, Money doesn't really flow down to the expert who has trained their entire life, has gone to school for an entire decade or more, and they're one of the, they're, their compensation is so minuscule within the total surgery costs. Is that what I'm hearing? Yes, you're absolutely correct. In fact, a couple large employers in our region gave us some data to, to analyze, but then also this has been validated on a national level. That if you take $100 that's spent, just say a base 100 is spent in surgery in our healthcare system, of those $100, $8 goes to the surgeon, $6 goes to anesthesia, one goes to pathology, 85 goes to the facility and implant. And I say this to my facility friends, I said, don't, don't chortle, here's why. Because the implant companies are a lot smarter than you guys and they're already eating into your 85, so... When you look at an equation like that, you know, you think, who's the most important, quote unquote, part of the care delivery in that episode? And it's obviously the surgeon. There's a lot of data and we can get into some statistics on that uh, later. But when you get down to it, if you're an entrepreneur like me, when you see 85% going to one place, what are you thinking? I'm thinking arbitrage all day long, right? Mm -hmm. I got to be able to do better than 85 Yeah. I mean, you're going to tap into some inefficiencies there and, or you're going to have some very unhappy people, unhappy skilled people who'd be looking for a better arrangement. Exactly. And that's where the joy comes in. We get to, so if I were to summarize what my life's goal is at this time in my life, both my siblings are doctors. When you talked about decades of training, my brother was 37 years old when he finished his training, surgical training. He's a craniofacial surgeon and my sister's a pediatrician. Maybe 12 years ago, they sat down on a Thanksgiving day, sat in two chairs in front of me, and I told them, y'all lost the race. Hospitals and insurance companies in pharma have crushed y'all. Y'all are the lone little entity out there, mom and pop, and you're not going to survive. And they just both sank their head in their hands, and they were like, what a bummer after all this training and everything. Well, what uh, my life's goal is at this point is that I would like to eliminate the BS, the complexity, the unnecessary stuff, and all the costs associated with that from the relationship between a doctor and a patient. So my, my hypothesis is that if we eliminate that, you get the doctor back to spending one-on-one relationship time with the patients, it's going to improve the experience for everyone. There's also going to be a great deal of benefit in terms of quality of healthcare that's going to come out of that. Right. Uh, and, and, and obviously coming from Freedom Health Works, I agree with everything that you're saying, especially on that. But I thought it was so interesting that we are attacking the same problem from different ends of that 
spectrum, like I described earlier, you know, if people look at primary care as being the entry point, so if you look at the alphabet stretched out, I always consider primary care to be A. That's where we're going to go. And, and if you need to progress to B, C, D, E, F, all on the line, uh, you probably have something pretty serious with you, but everything starts with A. I look at surgery as being at the end of it. This is, you know, the worst case scenario or something bad has happened to you and we need to go in and fix this. And to see this problem be addressed from both sides of the spectrum gives me a lot of hope that, okay, there's a lot of other smart people out there, such as yourself, that have identified this, have a shared vision. And it's so cool to me to realize that there's a lot of people attacking this from multiple angles. And with your experience in the surgery center, I mean, that's an incredible piece to point to from the primary care aspect and from our aspect is at Freedom HealthWorks that say, hey, you know what, specialist, you can do this. Every doctor in this country can do this type of a model because surgeons are already doing it. And I don't know if you can get more complex than cracking someone's chest open and then showing them the price, and that price never changes. Correct. Well, uh, interesting, uh, some of our best customers are direct primary care doctors. And when I say customer, I grew up in a family that had a family business. And so customers were always the people that you got drinks for and you took care of. And you said, thank you. Can I get you something? It, what it means is it's an attitude of service. And that attitude of service is really a way of modeling gratitude. And so we're very grateful for direct primary care. I think we have five here in Austin. My wife and my family and I have been a member of Dr. Michael Garrett's practice for I think almost three years now. And my wife and kids didn't believe me in the beginning, but I said, you, you we really almost don't need insurance if you have a primary care relationship like that, because you can text the doctor, you can call him up, you can talk to him at any time, you can get same day appointments. And they were like, well, you know, what about dermatologists? What about this? And I said, look, every time you have a problem, take a picture of it, send it to him. If he can't handle it, he'll be the first one to admit it. And he'll say, nope, that needs to go to specialist. But we don't even allow primary care doctors to actually do their role, to actually use the training that they have in the healthcare finance system that we have. We do it in 15-minute increments. And you're never going to get, you're never going to be able to take care of chronic disease in 15-minute increments. We've got to unchain the primary care doctors. And that's what direct primary care does, in my opinion. We'll be right back to continue this discussion after a quick word from our sponsors. Whether you're a patient, employer, or physician, the Free Market Medical Association can facilitate and assist you in your free market healthcare journey. The foundation of our association is built upon three pillars, price, value, and equality, with complete transparency in everything we do. Our goal is simple, match willing buyers with willing sellers of valuable healthcare services. Join us and help accelerate the growth of the free market healthcare revolution. For more information on the Free Market Medical Association, visit fmma.org. And we're back. Thanks again for joining us on Healthcare Americana. We are joined by Sean Kelly, the founder and president of the Texas Medical Management, formerly known as Texas Free Market Surgery Center. I wanted to take a step back. I want to learn a little bit more about um, the surgery center. You had mentioned a patient story earlier, which I thought was really, really powerful, that you were able to quote this procedure that uh, she she got at least $15,000 or more from a local hospital system, and you were able to point to a price online that says four to $6,000. What was her reaction? What are most people's reaction when you're able to give them a price that 
is so far below anything they're seeing uh, using what is in their mind their best route with their insurance. What, how do people react to that when you talk to them? I would say 95%, 95 plus percent of the patients that actually come to us fit into two buckets. We'll talk about the first, they're self-pay. So these are people either that have a really high out-of-pocket cost or people that uh, just go naked, don't have any insurance, or they have a health share. And those are another group of people. So those people are very grateful because they've already been out in the market testing, shopping. They went to their, you know, the surgeon maybe that their neighbor told them about, and they're in a big system and they got the $30,000 quote for simple surgery. So the expectations of cost are really high. And then a lot of them, if they've been playing around or thinking about this for a while, they've heard about surgery center of Oklahoma. It seems like I'm not sure there's anybody in the United States who hasn't heard about them. Anybody who's right. researched actual procedure costs, right? Yeah. Those people are, it's very easy. It's, you know, I got quoted 15,000, your price is five. This is fantastic. How do I sign up? Can I sign an agreement to get the price? It's like been the same price for three years. So it's not changing tomorrow. So <laughs> just you send us your records, we'll start the process. Great. The other customers that we get or other patients that we get actually come from corporations who their health plans are self-funded, meaning they pay the majority of the cost. Okay. In those type of arrangements, it really depends on who they're self-funding with, who their intermediaries are, who their TPA, who their broker is, and who is uh, actually running their plan. Sometimes they outsource it all to a United, a Blue Cross, or somebody of that nature. And those, they can't really work with as much. But the ones that actually work independent of those arrangements are more and more starting to do direct contracts. So those direct contract relationships, those employers actually communicate the benefits of this to their employees very well. They also provide amazing incentives. So our uh, new partner, I think new, it's been about a year and a half now, the Lamantia family have been at this for some time. And they, fortunately, they're our partners. They also distribute beer and wine and spirits. So that makes for a good partnership. Good company um, parties, right? <laughs> exactly. So Joe constantly uh, quotes this one example and, and it's, it's beautiful. So he says, I can take an employee and their spouse from my beer plant in Iserbush in El Paso, fly them to Austin, have them picked up in a limousine, put them up in a four or five star hotel, pay for their meals, pay for their hotel, pay for all their travel expense, eliminate their co-insurance, eliminate their copay, eliminate their deductible. So it's completely free to them and then pay them a thousand dollars cash incentive to spend any way they want and get great surgery by like Texas free market surgery, Texas medical management or surgery center of Oklahoma and still save 30 to 50% off of what they would have spent in their local market. So those are the types of people that typically come to us very happy because their employer has done their homework and found a better option. And it's so much of a better option that the employer is very willing to share that savings back with the employee. Right. And so right. it, it, there's, a, there's a lot of people out there right now, Christopher, that have trouble paying the out-of-pocket cost. It's, it's a real tragedy how many people are in debt right now. Oh, I, yeah, yeah. And, and we call those the functionally uninsured they have a higher, higher enough deductible where 
um, you know, majority of Americans don't have $400 to put together um, at a drop of a hat in, type, in case of any type of emergency. So I totally, we, we see it. I totally uh, agree with what you're saying there. And so stories like that, Sean, it, it's, it's so good to hear why aren't these type of, why aren't surgery centers like yours, why aren't they popping up everywhere across the U.S.? Well, as I mentioned earlier, thankfully, uh, Dr. Smith dissuaded us from putting a shovel on the ground and dropping three million bucks building a center because we, the next step would have been that we started to offer a free market and then we would have eventually run out of funds because there's not very much business yet. And then we would have probably ended up getting insurance contracts. And at that point, you're going to spend all your time and effort chasing the dollars and chasing the insurance companies and playing their games. And so he had two concerns or one concern and then one, one thing that he really wanted to happen. So he said, I want this model to spread. So I'll teach you everything I've learned. But the other thing is, if you're in an insurance model, you're going to spend all your time doing that. And you're just going to leave this on the back burner because you always chase where the dollars are today. What we found is it's a heck of a lot harder than you think. So it has been a extremely difficult and costly undertaking. My brother and I, you know, bootstrapped the thing for the first two and a half years. And we spent, don't tell my kids this, we spent their college funds. But we we know that this is going to work and tell our wives, we just don't know when. <laughs> now, yeah. our, li- I, our I, lips I, are sealed. We won't, we won't share this and <laughs> we won't uh, send them this episode either. Right. So I think the, the biggest problem is, okay, so you mentioned earlier about specialists and I'll throw facilities in there too. So direct primary care is like a binary. You're either in the insurance game or you're out. It's really hard to do both of those. Surgeons can actually do both. Okay. So they have a practice and they can do the regular insurance business, right? And they're actually pretty good at it. So, especially some practices, some of our partner practices are like really, really good at it. But then we create an opportunity for them to straddle into a new market segment without all the investment in management, facilities, et cetera, et cetera, in understanding the market and trying to go get customers. Facilities, I think, also have an opportunity to do both. Now, there are some limitations, but most of the limitations are self-imposed. Those are, well, you know, I get paid by Blue Cross, 10x what you're offering me, those kind of limitations. Okay, let me put it this way. So when I, when I talk to state representatives or senators or U.S. representatives, and, and they'll, they'll find us somehow, usually Keith does a good job of point guard passing off stuff like that to us. I'm sure he gets way too many of these calls, but they'll call and they'll say, well, what could we do on a legislative front? What could we do to, to drive this type of model? And I say, please don't legislate, but the government employees buy a lot of healthcare. Make them start purchasing from the free market. I say make. Make it so that their health plans are obligated to at least get competitive bids or be open to the purchase of and provide incentives to the employee members so that the business is directed our way. That way, there'll be a proliferation of these types of models. Right now, there's just not enough dollars flowing to see. It's going to be a slow, just like any disruption. If you look at the 
the adoption curve. It'll be really slow and almost look flat. And then it'll hockey stick at one point when you get enough traction. So put it this way. When we have a customer, we'll sign up a new customer. For the first couple of months, nobody comes. And we go out to their site. We give them talks. We talk to HR. We provide posters, banners, all this kind of stuff, announcing you know, what amounts to free surgery for the, for the members and free travel. Um, but once somebody comes and they actually get the experience, because there's this fear of the unknown, like, well, is it really going to be as good? And then they, they realize that our surgeons are being curated out of our community. And so they're the best surgeons here. They're great facilities and they're like boutique hospitals. So they treat people really, really well. And so at the end of the day, they get this concierge experience with a great doctor and a great facility. And they come back and they tell everybody around the watercolor and then it just takes off. So I think part of it is the adoption of something that's different than what we're used to. I think we're crazy as human beings in that respect because we hate what we already have, but we're scared about the thing that people tell us is better. So it'll happen, but it'll take time. We are creatures of habit, bottom line. We see that a lot when we're discussing new benefits plans and especially employers are so weary to change over to anything new because like you just said, everybody complains about it, yet when something newer, dare I say better, comes along, I'll just say different, but when something different comes along, everybody is very reserved to be the first one out there. And I'm glad to hear that once that first person has an awesome experience with your center, they're going to go out and tell everybody that, hey, this is, this is no joke. This is actually a different and a better way to do things here. So I was going to ask you, what's the biggest obstacle um, preventing the prolifer- proliferation Excuse me, across the nation with this? But at this point in time, it seems that the same theme, the same um, notion that pops up really in the direct primary care realm is that there's just a lack of education. This is new. This is some type of a foreign concept. What do you mean for the past 20, 30 years, I've been throwing my insurance card down and now I'm able to go get this incredible service. Do people come up to you and say, hey, this sounds great, but is this too good to be true? All the time. I think there, as Dave Chase has been really good about pointing out, there's a reason for the resistance. There's a lot of money being passed around right now. A lot of people's incomes are at stake. Whereas Rick Scott said, former governor of Florida and now senator from Florida, who also was CEO of Healthcare Corporation of America. If you think the hospitals are going to solve this problem, remember that they're going to have to cut their revenues and have to do so. So I don't think there's a lot of people rushing out there to, to change things. They all want their revenues to go up. And right now, the hardest thing you can do is take business from somebody else. You can just increase the prices and it's super simple. So there's a lot of people that are incredulous. I get people that have no idea what they're talking about. They have no experience in healthcare. And they'll say, there's no way that it costs that little. I'm talking principally about brokers or even people in HR or or even the company owners. There's no way. And I just, I show them the building blocks. Say, look, you know, here's what a doctor makes. Here's what a facility makes in Medicare. Here's what anesthesia costs in Medicare. But you're not paying that. You're paying huge multiples of this stuff. And it's this whole discount shell game. And then that's kind of when they open their eyes. And I said, if all I did was go out and get you Medicare rates, I'd be doing you a huge favor, right? But I said, what do you ask for when you talk to your broker? You ask for access. You can't have access and good prices at the same time. <laughs> That's two incompatible things. 
Yeah, those uh, those conversations with the broker community at large, and I mean, there's a lot of money here, so people are so ingrained in what works for them that it's very defensive. And you know, when you're in an industry that has, for better or worse, a fifth of our nation's economy tied up in it, there's a lot of hands in the pie. And when you strip them all out, and you make something so simple, saying, "No, healthcare is just between a patient and a physician." And nobody else should be in between that flow of cash and that flow of care, whatever that is. Nobody else gets between it. Then you're going to have a lot of people sitting on the sidelines saying, hey, what about me? It wasn't my job important before. And I think within the free market healthcare movement and within direct care movement, everybody's kind of looking at some of those people in the middle who got their hands in the pie saying, you don't really add any value here. So sorry. And sometimes... You know, to borrow a cliche, you gotta you gotta break a couple eggs to make an omelet here and really improve things. Correct. Yeah, I look at when we start to meet people, and there's lots of people that find us and say, you know, I'm starting a new health plan, I'm starting a new health share, I'm starting, you know, some new technology, and boy, I think we work great with what you're doing. Um, kind of the the way to parse through what they're doing is you have to ask a lot of questions and understand what they're game plan is, but either they're facilitating the improvement of care at the, at the patient doctor level, or they're impeding it. And the vast majority of people today are not in the business of facilitating or improving. They're in the business of constraining, impeding, creating extra cost that is not necessary and, and impediments, frankly, to, to doctors actually delivering care. And, you know, is it any wonder that the sentiment among doctors right now is pretty low? I think it's probably lower than any time in history, at least recorded history. The fact that doctors are really unable to practice their craft without way too many people impeding or causing friction between their ability or, you know, let's put it this way making it really hard for them to actually do what they're supposed to do. And, you know, no more 15 minute appointments, no more five minutes with a doctor, 10 minutes with a nurse. Let's just pay people fairly. And, you know, I'm a finance person by training and entrepreneur by choice. But to me, the whole direct primary care model is so fascinating. The dollars have gone up so much, the cost of billing and collections and bad debt have gone up so much. And the complexity and the number of people you have to employ in a practice just to meet or just to see the patients and give a, a modicum of care has just reached a beautiful point where now a direct primary care doctor can go out and charge somebody less than 100 bucks a month for all you can eat and not 24-7 access, but pretty darn close by text at least. Yeah, Sean, you mentioned the point earlier where a lot of people are unable to meet their out-of-pocket costs too. And- with this line of, of thinking that since the costs are going so are escalating so much and doctors are being driven out of the profession that they love, there's a huge group of people on the sidelines that nobody talks about. And those are the people who refuse to even go seek the most basic care when they are actually ill. And what type of what type of impact that has on our system as a whole because of all those ill effects that you just mentioned are happening not just in the primary care level, but in healthcare in general. I mean, there's a huge subset of people who say, 
hey, I'm, I have the flu. I'm just going to miss a couple of days of work. I'm not going to even try to talk to my doctor because it's no use anyways. Well, so I'll give an example from our partner again. They, they set up a disease management company. So they have a lot of beer truck drivers and you know, these are hardworking folks, but you know, they're along the border. And so there's an epidemia in obesity. And so you know, they, they had all these people who had chronic healthcare health conditions and were non-compliant. I mean, I hadn't even been to the doctor in years. And so they paid for everybody to get biometric screening. They were able to identify those folks who were the chronically ill, non-compliant. And then they started bringing doctors to the work site. They told the employees they didn't even have to clock out. Here's why. Because they started talking to the members and they said, why don't you go to the doctor? I was like, well, shoot, I have to take half a day off. I got to go pay 10 bucks for parking, sit in the doctor's office, a bunch of sick people for three hours and get 15 minutes. And it just isn't working. And so what they do is they bring the doctor to the patient. And then more importantly, the doctor forms a relationship with the patient. And that relationship then transcends that one appointment. It's their multiple contact uh, points after that. What they've been able to do in three years with this in their beer distributorships along the valley. Texas Valley and up into uh, southeastern New Mexico, they've been able to reduce their hospital admissions by 68% and their inpatient spend by 44%. Wow. And that's, that's, th- that's a lot of money. That's three years of work investment in doctors seeing patients, getting them on the right medications, getting them into nutrition counseling working with the wife to make sure that she's cooking the right kind of food for the husband or vice versa and so on. That stuff never is going to happen fast and it will never happen over an app. It's about relationships and trust. And it sounds so fundamentally sound that you would wonder why more people don't get it. We keep trying to think of healthcare as something that we apportion out little by little by little and we keep trying to drive down the, the unit cost. Well, the risks are astronomical. So just establish good health care. Your employees will love you for it, number one. Number two, they're going to show up for work. Number three, they're going to live longer. So there's all these ancillary benefits, and here's how brokers tend to put this. It's like, well, or employers even. It's like, well, I never know if the employee's going to be my employee next year. So, well, who cares? And what if they are? What if they're in your employee for the next 30 years and you got to pay for all the, the obesity problems, right? You won't want that. Right. It reminds me of, um, you know, as a business owner myself, and I'm sure you've heard this before, but it's the old axiom that, you know, if you pay to train an employee or you pay for to, to, to have this employee be healthy and then they leave, some people look that as wasted dollars. But on the other end, if you don't pay to train your employee and you still have a sick employee, and they choose to stay, how much is that going to cost you in the long run? A lot. And the, the thing is, is the gift that keeps on giving. I mean, it's once. And so the, the thing about chronic illness that patients like myself and others don't really realize is you actually don't feel bad for a long time. You can have hyperlipidemia, hypertension, uh, uh, diabetes, and really not feel bad, especially when you're younger. You're degrading your system all along, and then the long-term impact starts to hit. And boy, it's expensive, painful, and you know, your life is not very good, and you probably die a lot younger than you should have. 
Sean, this has been a, a fascinating uh, conversation here, but we're running a little short on time here. So I got to ask you, uh, when people want to learn more about you and the Texas Medical Management or the Texas Free Market Surgery Center, uh, what's the best way for people to reach out, learn more about you? Well, I'll tell you what, we have a presence on Facebook. We also have a presence on web. It's texasfreemarketsurgery.com. We're about to launch a new website, but that website that I just gave you will redirect to our new website. You know, our website, when you see it, it'll look exactly the same as Keith Smith's. Well, because he told us which web developer to use. <laughs> so we are not bashful at all about saying how much we've copied from. It's like standing on the shoulders of giants, right? You got people that have already tread over a certain part of the road. And so uh, we're not shy about learning uh, from people like that. If they want to get in contact with us, you can look on there. There's a lot of different ways to get in contact with us through those means. And I'd say probably half of the conversations I have on a daily basis really don't impact my business. They're just for people that really, they've thought about something like this, or they've seen something like this, or they see it and think, wow, this is super smart. And they just want to talk about it. And so when you mentioned education earlier, it's your job, my job, and all the other country of people that are involved in this movement to uh, speak loudly, speak truthfully, and speak a lot to the American public. Absolutely. Shout it from the mountaintops. And I will say that your website, it, I, I absolutely love it. Uh, for listeners out there, you go to this website and there's a silhouette of a human body and you can click on different parts of the body that uh, might be giving you an issue, whether you're curious about what type of procedures are out there. And then you click again to zero in on it and then it just spits out a price. It is the coolest thing that I've ever seen. And and I know I talk about it a lot when uh, just on side conversations saying, hey, this is so cool. Check out this transparent pricing tool that these surgery centers have up and going. And within, like I said before, within about two clicks, you can get a quote for surgery. It's absolutely incredible. So love the work that you guys are doing out there and uh, hope you all the best success coming in the future. Well, Christopher, thank you so much for doing what you do as well. I really appreciate the opportunity to, to talk this evening and uh, I'm uh, grateful for your efforts. Thank you. I appreciate that. Sean Kelly, thanks again for joining us today. Obviously, the more we discuss the stories, the more people will see that we can fix healthcare and we can do it now by working with smart people like yourself. Thank you very much. And that's it for this episode of Healthcare Americana. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Healthcare Americana. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Buzzsprout, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Podchaser, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And tell your friends and colleagues to download and listen to all Healthcare Americana shows at healthcareamericana.com. This episode was produced by iPodcast Pro. Capture your story, iPodcastPro.com.